So good morning to all of you. Uh, thank you for the stories and uh, shout outs to Sylvia and Christine who are our technical wizards making this happen. We hope this is meaningful and spiritual for you all. Our scripture reading this morning is one of Jesus' most beloved parables from Luke chapter 15. Jesus told this parable, which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. So, as you know, this Lent, Joe and Katie and I are preaching this uh, sermon series called Jesus Defects, which is inspired by Cardinal Francis Xavier Nguyen Van Thuan, who became Archbishop of Saigon in 1975, six days before the city fell to the communists. Uh, Cardinal Van Thuan, future Cardinal Van Thuan, then spent 13 years in a communist re-education camp, nine of them in solitary confinement. And during that time and afterwards, the cardinal always said that he fell in love with Jesus' defects, not his virtues, but his character flaws, if you will. For instance, Jesus had no long-range plan. He never demonstrated any common sense. He had a terrible memory. And the cardinal says that he was also bad at math. So as you just heard, one day Jesus told this parable about a shepherd who has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost. And so the shepherd leaves the 99 at home and goes out into the wilderness to, to find this single lost lamb. For Jesus, one is larger than 99. That is not good math. That is not even good business. Stephen Covey would not say that this is one of the seven habits of highly effective people. He would say that this is a failure to get your priorities straight. And yet Jesus seems to think that this is the way that we'd all do it if we were faced with the same choice. Which one of you, he's, he says, which one of you having a hundred sheep and one gets lost, won't leave the 99 alone and go search for that single lost lamb. And when he finds it, he lays it across his shoulders and rejoices. Jesus just assumes that this is the way we'd all behave. He is so clueless sometimes. But this is a parable for many of us, teachers, for instance, who spend most of their time with a few of their students, or the ones who can't get it. You leave the 20 and nine to their storybooks while you spend an hour teaching a slow learner to spell cat. My daughter confirms this. She teaches the fourth grade. This is also a parable for pastors, and I'm thinking of Sylvia and Christine and Katie this morning. At one of my former churches, the youth's minister spent 90% of her time with 1% of our kids. She was always marching down to the principal's office at the high school because one of our kids kept scrawling inscrutable graffiti on the walls of the school. And if you keep having to do that, you don't have any time to write letters of recommendation for the good kids with the 4.0 GPAs and the 1520s on the SATs who might get into Dartmouth or Cornell if somebody writes them a compelling recommendation. This is also a parable for parents, right? Sometimes parents are bad at math too. Sometimes one is larger than three. That is to say, one of our children gets more attention than, than the other three 
combined. It's the lost lamb that eats up all our time and energy. The ADD child, the Asperger's child, the socially awkward friendless child, the curious child who has more questions than ask.com, the precocious 17-year-old who can convince the bartender she's 24 and has the fake ID to back it up. Sometimes you have a dream child who doesn't need a parent and raises himself without parental intervention, and another child who takes two of you working full-time, a guidance counselor, a therapist, two godparents, four grandparents, and a friendly truant officer. Sometimes one is larger than three. That's just the way it goes in families. So Kathy and I got hooked on this Netflix series called Atypical. Anybody watch Atypical? Oh, I, I can't see you. You can raise your hand anyway. So Jennifer Jason Lee plays the matriarch in a family with an atypical son and a neurotypical daughter. Older brother Sam is autistic and younger sister Casey is neurotypical. Casey is popular and attractive and kind and wise for her years and a track star to boot. And Sam, the autistic older brother, is the one who gets lost. And Casey is one of the 99 who don't need the shepherd's oversight. And the show does this wonderful job of showing how much of the family's energy Sam absorbs and how the self-sufficient daughter sort of gets lost in the shuffle. It just hurts. Over and over and over again, Casey is hurt by her neglect, by her, by her parents forgetting her. But she understands. She understands that this is just how it is in families. One is greater than 99 sometimes. Did you know that the Marine Corps borrowed its motto from Jesus of Nazareth? <laughs> no one gets left behind. Nemo Resideo in Latin. No one gets left behind. The Chicago Fire Department says the same thing. And so you can see why Cardinal Vantuan and many of us admire Jesus' defects so much. Because you can be good at math and bad at life. Hoarding 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and then selling them for $40 a pop is good math, but it's not a very good life. It's a shrewd calculation, but it makes you a horrible neighbor and citizen. Likewise, you can be bad at math and good at life. Those doctors and nurses who are treating patients with homemade masks and face guards, they're bad at math. They think one is greater than one. They think your health is greater than their safety. One can't be greater than one, but bad at math, good at life. Thank God for them because they're the only way we're going to get through this. So maybe you're doing okay. You're secluded at home with the people you love most in all the world. Even your college students have come home to you because there are no longer any uh, classes on campus. And also your young professionals who can't go to work anyway, so they fly home from New York or San Francisco to be with you where they feel secure. And so maybe you have a job uh, that you can accomplish almost efficiently at home as you can in the office. My commute to work this morning was literally nine seconds long. Maybe it almost feels like a sabbatical for you after a long, hard slog of travel and deals and presentations. 
You can catch up with your Netflix backlog or start slashing away at that towering stack of novels and classics and New Yorkers that you've neglected for years. Maybe you are part of the 99 safe at home in the fold, but that doesn't describe all of us. Some of us are feeling alone and lost in the wilderness, far from the fold. Maybe they live alone with no family nearby. Maybe they have elevated risk factors like great age or a compromised immune system or asthma. Or maybe it's not their mental, but their physical health that's fragile. Maybe even on their best days, the noonday demon stalks their hope and joy. And now with no human companionship and empty streets and empty trains and shuttered taverns and cafes and gyms and clubs, crowded hospitals, bare shelves at the store, a collapsing stock market and a shriveling economy, it's just the perfect storm. Maybe they work for a hotel or a restaurant, but no longer. Maybe they're alone and maybe they feel lost in the wilderness. And I'm not trying to minimize those challenges, but I wonder if it would help if in their lostness and their aloneness, they remembered that somebody is looking for them and that someone is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd has left the rest of us 99 to look after each other because the shepherd knows that we're capable of that. There is someone looking for you and that shepherd will not stop until she tracks you down and brings you home. We'll make it. We'll make it. All shall be well. All shall be well. All manner of things shall be well. Amen.